this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership, and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Here we are with our guest, Joe Sanfilippo. Thank you for being on the show, Joe. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Absolutely. This month, we are focused on building a winning team and how leaders can build a powerful brand that attracts incredible people to their organization. So we're really excited to have you on our show. Um, This month, we wanted to take a deep dive into branding, recruiting, hiring, and really how schools and districts can create a powerful narrative around their schools uh, and their systems. And we honestly could not think of anyone better than you to have uh, this conversation with. So uh, TJ, why don't you tell our audience a little bit more? Thanks, Joe. Our guest this month, as Joe said, is Joe Sanfilippo. Uh, Dr. Sanfilippo is the superintendent of Fall Creek School District in Fall Creek, uh, Wisconsin, go crickets. I know that's something that you often say. The Fall Creek School District was named an innovative district in 2016 and 2017 by the International Center for Leadership and Education. Joe holds a bachelor's degree in elementary and early childhood education from St. Norbert College, a master's in educational psychology from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, a second master's in educational leadership and a PhD in leadership learning and service. He co-authored The Power of Branding, Telling Your Story and Your School Story. We're going to talk about that today. Um, also, professional, uh, Principal Professional Development, Leading, Learning, and Digital Age, and Hacking Leadership, 10 Ways Great Leaders Inspire Learning that Teachers and Students and Parents Love. He was selected as one of 117 Future Ready Superintendents in 2014 and one of 50 superintendents as personalized learning leader in 2016 by the U.S. Department of Education. He attended summits at the White House for both those distinctions. And then Education Dive named Joe one of five K-12 administrators to watch in 2018. And then here's the big one, the National Superintendent of the Year in 2019. He's He's been a featured speaker in multiple states in the areas of advancing the use of social media for school leaders, telling your school story, creating a culture of yes, and personalized professional growth for staff. We're gonna dive into a bunch of that content today, Joe. So let's, let's get started here with the idea of schools telling their story. Um, it's, still rel- it's still a relatively new concept for, for a lot of school leaders. Can you describe how schools and districts can begin sharing their story and why that's so important? We wanna hear anything that you might say about branding, and really creating an informed and aware com- and an aware community. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. And I think the biggest thing that we need to understand about what happens within the context of schools is that everybody went to school. So everybody thinks they know how to run a school and then they know exactly what happens in that school because they went to one. Right. And so what we talk to people in, in Fall Creek about a lot 
is the idea that in the absence of knowledge, people tend to make up their own. And when they don't know what you do, they make up what you do. And when they make up what you do, it's not what you want them to make up what you do because they make up what you do based on what happened to them 25 years ago when they didn't get a second chicken sandwich in lunch or they got put against the wall at recess or got a grade they didn't deserve or coach didn't play them or whatever. And then they tell that story over and over again like they know exactly what happens in your space and they have no idea what happens in your space because it's been so long since they've been in that space. So our job is really to try to figure out ways that we can help people talk about the great things that are happening in school by making sure that we talk about the great things that happen in school. And we do a lot of things. I mean, it's not, I think sometimes it gets, it's, it's um, almost like, um, I don't know if, I don't know what the right word is, but I think almost marginalized in that people say, well, just tell your story, tell your story, tell your story. But at the same time, if we don't figure out ways to do it in a way that's going to really impact the, the end user, then we're just out here talking into the wind and that's not helping anybody out in the situation. So we talk a lot about uh, the idea of, of connecting and creating moments for people. We talk about forced engagement and what that really looks like. And we talk about making sure that we connect emotion to the movement because when we create moments, moments turn into movements when there's emotion connected to what that looks like. So unless there's, uh, there, unless there's more in it for the end user, then it just feels like we're just talking and talking and talking to hear ourselves talk. So telling the story of schools is much more about connecting with the end user than it is just talking about the work that you do. Joe, just to follow up on that, is there specific strategies that you use to make sure you're connecting with that end user? Because mm -hmm. I think you're a hundred percent right. Most people consider telling their own story, just sharing information. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they might use a different platform where before it was just the website and now they may go to like Twitter, but there are specific ways you directly connect with the community. Can you describe some successful strategies so you connect with that end user? Absolutely. The first thing that we need to do is make sure that people are talking about us the right way internally, right? So like we, we have so many people that are saying like, I'm just a teacher, I'm just a paraprofessional, just a custodian, just a, just a, just a, I'm only, I'm just, I'm just, I'm only, I'm just. When they do that, they devalue all of their work. And not only do they devalue their work, but they give the person that they're talking to license to do exactly the same. Because people won't change the way they talk about school until we change the way that we talk about school. So that's the first thing is making sure that people internally have an idea of what it looks like to tell their story in a way that's going to get more people to connect with them. And they don't, it's not a time for like, <clears throat> excuse me, like this, this whole pandemic thing is been a, an opportunity for us to think about things a little differently. Like I, we told our group that two things were going to bubble to the surface when the pandemic hit. And the first thing was how well do we know our kids? And the second thing was, what are we going to, you know, what are we going to do for them when they're not here? And the reason that I mentioned that is because parents already know how hard our job is. This is not a time for us to say, see, I told you, I told you our job is really hard. Can't you tell? I mean, this is really hard. You don't like it as much. This is bad. This is hard stuff. This is a time where we lean in to those parents and tell them we're here for you. You didn't choose this. You didn't ask for this, but we're here for you. So changing the way that we talk about the work changes the way that they talk about the work. And that's the first thing that we do is to make sure that we change the way that we talk about the work. 
The second thing that we do is making sure that we create moments that people want to talk about the work. So an example of that would be like, let's say, um, so we create these moments for people. Like when we hire people here in town, um, we don't just hire them. We let the, the committee that wants them to come on board to actually do the hire. So we call a candidate in and then they, the, the committee offers the job to the candidate. And when we do that, we record the whole thing. And then we say to the candidate, hey, you know, we can delete this thing right now or we can send this to your mom. You tell us what you want to do. Because when you send a video of somebody's kid, doesn't matter if they're 4, 14, 24, or 44, when you send that video of them getting hired to their parent, what is their parent going to do? They're going to automatically go right to every social platform and talk about it. Or when we do a, a, a podcast with a, with a parent or with a kid, you do a podcast with a kid, instead of just sending the podcast out, what if you call the parent before you send the podcast out and just say, hey man, I'm going to send this out in the next 15 minutes. I just wanted to let you know because it was a great conversation and I thought you'd want to be the first one to hear it. Well, then mom and dad are sitting there for the next 15 minutes, you know, refresh, 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 refresh on their phone because they want to be the first person to share it because their sister's kids get all the attention in the family. So this is a chance for us to get out there and share that thing as much as possible. And that allows us to create momentum and people not saying to us, well, you're always bragging, you're always bragging, you're always bragging. And I'll tell you, I'll brag on our kids and our teachers all day. But if we can get other people to do it, it's going to change the conversation even more. Another thing that we do is we call it forced engagement. So forced engagement for us is trying to make sure that we put ourselves in a position to be seen in a place that's, uh, that's unique, that people wouldn't normally, you know, see that. So where, where are you guys located? What, what state are you guys located in? Delaware. Delaware. Delaware the, great, the great state. Both of Delaware? Okay. So, uh, so, um, so, what's, so what football affiliation are you guys, are you guys with? Eagles. Eagles, you poor thing. All right, anybody else? <laughs> TJ, what about you, TJ? Same. Yeah, same. Okay, that's too bad. So in so here's the thing. Like in on Sundays in Wisconsin, I know what everybody's doing from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock, right? They're all watching a Packer game. Every one of them is watching a Packer game. And so when the Packer game goes to commercial, where does everybody go? They either go to their fridge, they go to the bathroom, or they go to their phone. And I can't be in their fridge, and I can't be in their bathroom, but I can be on their phone. So when they go to their phone and they get to their social, if I'm there during the commercials of Packer games, retweeting stuff from our school district, now I've forced myself into their feed so they can, so they can, you know, see the great things that are happening. And you guys don't understand this, but we do that. We have football well into January. You guys don't, but we do. So we can actually tell our story all the way through January, which is a really great thing for us. It gets us a lot of months, right? We'll let some of those comments slide, Joe, since you're a guest on the show. Uh, <laughs> I'm still, um, hey, man, I'm still Freddie Mitchell still, man. I'm just telling you, 4th and 24 still kills me every day. Don't, don't I'll talk tell you what, I, have, I could run upstairs. I have that exact photo yeah, frame in my son's uh, bedroom. He has that 4th down Freddie photo God. autographed. It was a great, great moment. Unbelievable. 4th <laughs> and 24, finish that. It's a, it happened with the Seattle game game too. I mean, just catch the onside kick and uh, yeah, oh God. All right. Anyway, continue before I start getting upset about stuff. Go. Yeah. So that's a, right now we're hoping for a, um, a football season. Yeah. So, any football season. You know what? We will shift gears a little bit. Let me mention though, those are very practical ways. 
I, I will say, Joe, real quick, a lot of people don't necessarily think like that. Is there a way in which you started thinking about like, I can't be in her fridge, I can't be in the bathroom, but it, it, do you have a team approach to that? Or are you just waking up at 3am and not denying those ideas and, and worrying about going back to sleep? Because these are very practical things that you're suggesting, but they're also not common. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just kind of have always taken like how what things really spark with me. And and I've done, you know, I'm a huge fan of Chip and Dan Heath and Made to Stick and Switch and new, uh, Dan's new book is um, Upstream, which is just a different way to think about things, which is they're all really great books. But and the power of moments is, is probably my favorite uh, book that I suggest to leaders. And it's not even a leadership book, but it's all about creating moments. Uh, for people. And so I've always kind of taken that approach to how can we create a moment that people are going to want to talk about when they're when they're not here anymore. And so we, we try to force ourselves into situations. And maybe it's just because I'm loud and obnoxious, but I try to get into people's, you know, keep people's conversations as much as I can. You know, we, I do I do these little uh, one minute walk to work videos. So I live across the street from school and I walk to work every um, Saturday. And, and a lot of Saturdays when I walk to work, I'll just think about some leadership stuff and I'll just put that out on Twitter or wherever. But the thing that's really, uh, you know, that's made it a little bit more intentional about the work is how do we make sure that we force Fall Creek and the district and the go crickets mentality into people's mind when even in those. So during that minute and a half of the walk, there are six fall Creek drops in a minute and a half from when I get there and I say fall Creek, Wisconsin, I walk past my license plate that says fall that says go crickets past my door. That's got a fall Creek sign past my fence. That's got a fall Creek sign around the corner of the school. It's got another fall Creek sign. And then we always end with go crickets. So in a minute and a half, we're dropping six fall Creek names in that time to people who may not have heard it in the past. And in doing that, like if, if 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 people watch that, now everybody's talking about, you know, what's going on in Fall Creek, Wisconsin. And, and I think that we've seen some momentum too, because now our teachers want to be part of that process too. You know, when we do this, those innovative, you're talking about being a named an innovative district. So we got a chance to go to Orlando and present at uh, model schools. And so, you know, of course, when we go to model schools, whenever we go anywhere, we deck our people out in Fall Creek stuff. They got the, they got the shirt, they got the, you know, stress balls, they got the bracelets, they got the hats, they got everything that they can give away when they get there. And so as our team is walking down the hallways of this con of this conference with 5,000 people at it, they start hearing these, you know, they start hearing people behind them going, Hey, that's the Fall Creek team. That's the go cricket team. And then they showed up to their session to present at this national conference and it was full before they got there. So they got to present to a, to a full packed house in this room. And as soon as they got done, they started texting people back home and, you know, telling their friends about what the experience was like. And people wanted pictures with them and wanted to know about their process. And it changed the audience. You know, we did like when we do our, um, our, our street fair, we, we, uh, we, at the end of the year, instead of doing a reflection for me as a, from a teaching perspective, we do a street fair where you uh, just essentially display your learning throughout the course of the year to your colleagues. And the first year we did it, we live streamed it and we had 21,000 people watch the live stream. So when 21,000 people watch the live stream of your teachers teaching other teachers, then they know that their audience is bigger and they want to do better because they know that their audience is expanding. So I think it's always been just a mentality to try to put our world into the worlds of other people, because I think I feel so strongly about the work that happens in this space. And, um, and just to see the reaction from our staff when that happens has been really, um, it's been genuine. 
It's been authentic and it makes people want to do more. It's incredible, incredible stuff, Joe. Thank you. We're going to segue into our leadership questions, which obviously everything you've mentioned so far directly ties in. Um, and you've already mentioned Chip and Dan Heath, and you know I, I couldn't agree more. This this year, we even talked about the Magic Castle mm -hmm. um, in in the district that I'm a part of, which he features. They feature in that that book. Who is uh, someone else, another person or group who you follow, whether it's for knowledge, inspiration, um, that really helps you out? And where could we find them? Yeah, uh, well, you know, I think I try to lean on people that are really finding ways to get the most out of the people that they work with. I mean, two, two of the guys that I connect with the most often are Tom Murray and Jimmy Casas. And I think that those guys do incredible work with leadership and, and growing leadership capacity. Um, I also, I also think that you know, the, the most motivational speaker I've ever seen in my life is Inky Johnson. And I could sit and listen to him speak literally all day. And I just, I, I have so much respect for the man at the, and at the same time, he, uh, his message is just, crazy incredible and inspirational and um i you know I, if i could start my day you know every day listening to to his words then i'm i'm all you know i'm here for it so i think those are the three three guys that really kind of um you know that i believe have done you know really really incredible things across the across the country and and people that i would lean to right away that's awesome. We'll make note of those leaders. We'll link back to their, their information in the show notes so that uh, followers can, can uh, get to them. Um, you said that uh, Inky Johnson, he, he inspires you. In what ways does he do that? Like, is there something he says or does that, that invigorates you? Or, or is it just like um, some of his actions? Uh, well, he, I, he's an incredible storyteller, first of all. I think that's that that makes, you know, everything better if you can, if you can story tell. And he tells this story. One of my favorite stories from him is the story that he, that he tells about uh, a young man who was um, bagging groceries. And, um, and, he, and he's bagging groceries at this place because he wanted to make a difference. And so he wanted to make a difference. So he started putting these little notes in the bags for, um, for people when they got their groceries bagged up and the kid, the people go home with these inspirational notes. And then at the, uh, and then the, the store owner would look down on the floor and everybody would be in this kid's uh, line. And, you know, there was open lines all over the place and he'd, you know, yell down. He's like, you know, there's open lines in two, three, four, you know, and everybody's like, now nah, we're going to stick in eight. We're going to stick here in eight. Like, no, there's, there's open lines. There's no waiting. And the other, no, we're going to wait. We're waiting for his, we're waiting for his, uh, his, you know, his, his note card, his statement of the day. And just the impact that just a note or a positive uh, comment can have on other people. And the fact that, um, you know, people are willing to wait to do that is really, I think, truly important. So those are some of the things, I mean, and, and I just, I feel like he's, he just comes from a really authentic place. And uh, I, I love listening to the guy. Thanks for sharing that. That That's a cool story. And um, just the way that people can uh, have an impact on others. And we need that right now. Totally. Provides hope and uh, certainly inspiration. Next question. Um, what's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? Oh, boy, that's a great question. I think um, the first thing and it, it kind of brings me back all the time is I think the first thing that that you need to do if you want to grow is to listen. And 
when I get so focused on getting to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, then I lose out on growing at all. Cause I'm always trying to get to the next thing. I know I'm at my worst when I'm not listening to the people around me. And there's sometimes that I just can't help it. I really can't. Like I'm so focused that I want to get done and I'm, I'm a doer. And so I want to just, you know, complete the task and complete the task and move on to the next task. And that's when I'm at my worst as a leader, when I'm not willing to learn from the people around me by listening to what they have to say. So that's the first thing that I would say is to, is to listen um, and you'll be better for it. And that, the other thing that I would tell you is just it, do one thing that, that scares you a little bit. And obviously, you know, within the line of making sure that you're safe, but do, do something that scares you just a little bit, put yourself out there. If that's putting a post out there, if that's, you know, making a video or something like that, that just scares you a little bit. Um, and you know, the, the reaction and working through that process, even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't work out, it'll make you better in the long run. Love that about um, <clears throat> something that scares you a little bit. Um, Joe, what's one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you don't already? Well, um, yeah, this is going to sound really counterproductive, but I, I think <laughs> that I want to be a better reader, right? Like I think, cause I think they, there, there are, I end up listening to a lot of books cause I'm either on the road or I'm doing something. And, um, and that really has, uh, I think kind of held me back in terms of, um, you know, just being able to read something. I read a lot of stuff online or I like if, if, you know, anything that's, you know, right in front of you on a screen, but I really want to be more intentional about, uh, about reading and really diving into books and that kind of thing, which is really interesting to me because I listen to a ton of books, but I don't spend nearly as much time reading as I would, I would like to. And so then when I sit down and I read a book or attempt to read a book, I'm constantly reminded that I'm not as good at it as I want to be. And then therefore, uh, you know, I often will put it down and just get the audio book out of it. So I, I, I want to be better there. I'm not, I'm not real great, you know, when it comes to that. When you say better, do you mean speed, um, note taking, some type of reading strategy that you would use, concentration? What do you mean by the word better as a better reader? Mm -hmm. well, the first thing is being able to invest in it, you know, for longer times. I'm just not, a, I just don't invest well. And if I get, I'm easily distracted. I've counted five squirrels outside of my window right now since I've been on here. So with you guys, so I can, I, I'm so easily distracted that it just, it's hard to, uh, to really, you know, invest in that time. So I think the first thing is, you know, being able to invest for longer periods of time and then to be brutally honest is to just comprehend more from what the, the text has to say. Um, and I think the more practice that I get with that, the better I'll be. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, we, we talk to our listeners about reading all the time that leaders are readers. And so mm -hmm. it's really important to invest in that, but le listen, listen into books too. We both listen to books and, and that's a, that's a great place to start. And that's what helps leaders grow. And so our, that lends to, to the next question, which is about growth. What's, what's one thing that led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others might be able to replicate. Surround yourself with people who are willing to push you. 
and not people who are just going to nod their heads and say, hey, that sounds like a really great idea. Um, I learned the most around here from uh, my team when they're willing to say, I don't, I just don't think that's going to go or because two things happen when you have a team like that. And the first is that they're willing to tell you the truth. And the second is that you're willing to tell them what you're really thinking as opposed to what you think it should look like the whole time. So um, that's been really helpful is to surround yourself with people who are willing to call you out when, when you don't, they don't think the idea is good or when they think you're being a jerk about the idea. So, and, you know, and that happens here too. I, I just get so focused on some things from time to time that I, I'm completely blinded to what other perspectives are um, because I'm so focused on getting the task accomplished. So having people that are in that spot that are willing to say, you know what, you're just, you're kind of off here and you're really being a jerk about it. So take a step back and think about what they're, where they're coming from too. Joe, could you talk a little bit about though, how you build those relationships with people? Cause you're the leader, you're the superintendent, you know, and you're successful. So it's hard sometimes. And I agree hundred percent. We don't want sycophants around us, just praising us and telling us, um, but that's takes courage and bravery on the other person's part. Can you talk a little bit how you develop that culture or that relationship? So people feel comfortable saying, Hey Joe, I think you're off on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think the first thing is that, well, first we talked about it earlier, how you have to listen, but I also think that you have to work at their pace, not yours. So, um, and just know your people in terms of, of what they do and how they do it and why they do what they do and make sure that you get into their lives in terms of what matters to them, as opposed to, you know, what matters to you, to them. And, for me, it was like first not not expecting uh, myself in others. So um, I, my first year, my my second year, my second year as a principal, I remember that I, I always felt like I needed to, to be the first car in the parking lot and the last car in the parking lot. And I don't understand why. I just felt like I did. Like I I know that's ridiculous, but it it like there's no there's no trophies for first car, last car. I need everybody to understand that. I didn't know that. So I figured that there was. So I would just show up early and I would, I would leave late. And I remember there was this woman that worked uh, in our building and she, it was like six 30 at night and she wouldn't leave. And I'm like, <laughs> so I kept going into her classroom. I'm like, it's okay. You can go. It's like, this stuff will be here tomorrow. And I'm trying to be that principal, like that guy to say, get out of here. It's fine. Get home. You know, be, get some time for yourself. It's going to be fine. It'll be here tomorrow. Go ahead. You know, and she stayed and she stayed and she stayed and like, then it's seven o'clock, then it's seven 30 and she's staying. And I, and I, for some reason, I felt like I still needed to be there. So I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And I walked home or I got home at, you know, eight, eight, like eight o'clock. And I was so mad because she finally left at like 7.45 and I get home. I'm so mad. I'm like, my goodness, I wasted the night and I felt like I needed to be, you know, blah, 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 the whole thing. And I was frustrated that she wouldn't leave. And then I got to school the next day and I was talking to my secretary about it. And I'm like, Betsy, you know, she wouldn't leave. I couldn't believe she wouldn't leave. Like, what's going on? Why wouldn't she leave? And, and Betsy, my secretary said, well, Joe, you know why she wouldn't leave, right? And I'm like, well, no, was she mad at me? Was she just trying to, you know, like, like keep me there as long as I could? And she goes, Joe, her ex-husband had her kids last night. And if she went home, she was going home to an empty house. She just didn't want to go home to an empty house. That's why. And so I felt like, you know, two inches tall and I felt awful 
But the reason I felt awful was because I didn't know her well enough to know that she just needed that. And I would have got home three hours earlier, right? So if you know your people, that develops a relationship and know what they value and what they view, but also not trying to put my expectations of what I think it should be on them because everybody comes at it from a different lens. Powerful story. And I think we've both, uh, TJ and I have felt that desire that everybody's watching. So I have to bookend the day. I, that resonates. Uh, Joe, we're going to finalize uh, with our last, uh, this with our last question. Um, what is, you know, something, one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? And you just alluded to that a little bit, like you have to be that guy. Is there something else? Something that I used to think that I don't anymore. Boy, you know, I would love to say that I used to think that you can't make everybody happy. And now I don't think that, but I still think that. So that doesn't count. So <laughs> that doesn't help my situation at all. Um, I think, you know, I think the, the thing that I, I used to think is that if we just keep doing our work, and do it really well, that the conversation about what school looks like is just going to automatically change. Because kids are going to go home and tell people about the great things that are happening in school. And, and they don't. And I think the thing that we need to understand about that is we get mad at the kids for not going home and telling parents what happened at school. And, and I, I can tell you why it happens. It's really easy um, because it, when kids go home from school and mom says, what'd you do at school today? What the answer is what, what do they say all the time? I don't know. Nothing. 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 Right. Right. <laughs> well, that's not what happens in school, but the reason that they do that, the reason that they say that it, like in my house, if I, if my son comes home and I say, what, you know, you know, what happened in school today, you know, when he says, well, in social studies, we did this, this, and this, my follow-up question to him is, oh, good. So do you have any homework for that, that you have to do now? So they don't tell you what they did at school because it comes with a follow-up question about what they have to do at home. So the, our, you know, our kids don't, they won't tell you what they did at school, but they will most certainly tell you what they saw at school because what they saw at school doesn't come with a follow-up question about how they got to fix it. So when we talk about how I wish I used to think that if we just do our work, it's going to, it's the change of how we're perceived is going to happen. I don't feel, I, I don't feel like that at all. And I think that I feel actually when we wrote the book about the power of branding years ago, it was really about just telling a story and making sure that people knew and understood that story. Now it's about making sure that we find a way to get into the lives of people so they know and understand the incredible work that happens in our space. And in doing that, we can find a way to leverage the momentum or leverage the moments that we have into a momentum that's going to change the conversation about what we do. That's great. And you know, you know what? It's an awesome way to kind of finalize this show because you brought it all the way back to telling the story of your school is actually what changes the culture. Mm -hmm. Changing the culture on the inside is what changes the brand on the outside. And living the brand is what's going to attract other people to be to want to be on the team, Joe. And so it and just the simplicity in that is phenomenal. We always say that leadership might be complex, but it doesn't have to be complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and so is there anything else, Joe, that you would like to share with the listeners? I would just say, you know, make sure that like 
don't get in that mentality of just keep your head down and go do your job and, and move forward. This is an opportunity for us to really think about things differently and figure out ways to build the build our network of people to get better. And the way that we talk about it here is how do we make sure that we recognize, acknowledge, and extend the great work that happens in our spot. So make sure that you're in the right mindset to recognize the great work of your colleagues, acknowledge the, that to that colleague that they're doing great work, and then extend the conversation to somebody who wasn't there to see that great work. Because inevitably what happens is if you do that, that person will go and tell the person that they're doing great work because at some point somebody did it for them. And that's how we change the way that people talk about it when they feel like their story has value. Well, there you have it. Another awesome podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs, always on the topic of leadership. And we hope you enjoyed our One Thing series on how to brand your school, tell your story, and so much more with Joe Sanfilippo. Thank you, Joe, for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Go Crickets. Mm -hmm.